Is Rob going to give us a cameo so we can at least hear how miserable he is? No, he, he called <laughs> He called me this morning. I was just saying to Liz, he sounds like a 99-year-old smoker who's been smoking for 99 years. He just oh, wow. sounded, he sounded dead. He, he's he's coming around, but he wasn't well. Oh, <laughs> and he guy. lives alone too, right? So, oh, yeah, that's you know, getting up to feed the cat and stuff was just <laughs> horrendous. Oh, gosh, the cat's going to eat him. It might. It might. He's he's going to wake up one morning and he's going to be like, holy crap, my eyelids are gone. Yeah. <laughs> he's going he's to find them in the litter box. Yeah. 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 Rob, when you listen to this, scoop gently. <laughs> you never know where your eyelids are. You might. don't know what body parts you may find in the old cat box. <laughs> Recording in progress. Hey there, friends, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. That was, that, was, that was a really good drink. <laughs> this, of course, is the podcast where we speak with advocates, allies, and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. So do not adjust your podcast dial. Uh, you are in the right podcast. My name is not Rob Minot. I am Liz Malone. And our usual cruise director, Rob, is unfortunately a little under the weather, shall we say? Just a little. Just a little. Just, he, just, just a little. He got the vid. <laughs> <laughs> he got the Rona. Oh, poor guy. So we're not making light of it, but we are sending our well wishes. But of course, we have to poke fun at Rob a little bit while he's gone. What do they say? Like, what, the cat's away, the mice shall play? Exactly. Right, yeah. So my first fellow mouse is the ever so lovable Ryan Flurry. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, the one and only Mouseketeer, Steve Barkley. Hey, kids! <laughs> <laughs> Golly! <laughs> wow, I love how all these hidden talents come out during this show. <laughs> Liz, you probably haven't heard the joke. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Mouse, we can't grant you a divorce on the basis that you think your wife is crazy. I didn't say she was crazy, Judge. I said she was f Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> There's the first. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see what happens when when Rob's not here. We already off the off the track, right? Right off the rails. Right off, right off. So. So what are we week, doing today? I think that Ryan should tell us what we're doing. All right. Well, I figured it was time we had a bit of a news show again. And lo and behold, our own Steve Barkley has some good news from a friend of the show, David Grimes, that we're going to share with the audience, as well yeah. as discuss a few other topics that we came across this week. All right. So do you want to maybe start with, well, pick a story. Well, let's let's start with David, because, sure. uh, I mean, this is this is a, just a great story, I think. So we had uh, Dr. David Grimes uh, on the show a while back to talk about the work that he does with uh, Medical Ministries International. 
so David is uh, a member of a project that I'm on, the, uh, the Children's Low Vision Project of British Columbia. He's one of our two optometrists. And every now and then he goes, wanders to some far-flung part of the world and uh, um, helps with these uh, vision clinics. So uh, most recently he was in, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, uh, Cienega de Oro in Colombia. Uh, and he sent this letter to all of the CLVP folks, uh, because we had given him a bunch of old magnifiers and stuff to take with him on this trip. So here's, here's what he had to say. He said, the picture below is of Diego, one of our last patients of the day at the clinic. He needed new glasses badly. His old ones were scratched, not even close to his correct prescription. We refracted him and found an almost perfect match for his, uh, for his prescription. He was ecstatic. He said he was a jeweler and worked with fine silver threads and the new glasses would make a world of difference for him. Somebody said, we should send him to Dave. Doesn't he have some of those used magnifiers with him? I started showing him various domes, line magnifiers, pocket magnifiers, and he settled on one of the saddest ones in the collection, scratched, broken light, no cover, but it was a perfect size and weight for him. I told him it was a gift from a student back home in Canada and he wanted me to send a picture of him using it, he was beaming. Apparently, the second picture below is of a rosary he made for Pope Francis. The original is in Rome with the Pope, and he still has a replica here in Colombia. I admit I was pretty skeptical, but the translators in a quick Google search confirmed every word. So, somewhere in BC, one of our students donated a magnifier that's now in the hands of the Pope's jeweler. Craziest yeah, thing cool. I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, and, and uh, he, he sent a picture of, of the jewelry that the guy created. It's, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely stunning. So, um, so yeah, so a donated magnifier. You just never know who it's going to help out. In this case, it helped out the Pope's jeweler. Go figure. And then the next day, uh, he sent another one uh, for... Uh, uh, a 85 year old, uh, he loved a little easy pocket magnifier. Uh, he was blind in one eye, 2200 in the other from AMD, uh, uh, macular degeneration and glaucoma. And, uh, he's uh, now able to read using that little handheld magnifier. So fantastic. Of the first week of that clinic, they saw 1800 patients and they removed 70 cataracts. Wow. Isn't that crazy? In one week. Wow. Yep. And so if people had used products like that, are you accepting donations? Ab absolutely. So look, he can use, he can use glasses. He can use magnifiers. Even, even if the, you know, if the glasses are, are scratched up, whatever, it doesn't matter if the, um, magnifiers, you know, maybe they worked off battery once, but don't anymore. Um, as long as they actually have, you know, the ability to magnify stuff, he can use these things. And, uh, yeah, anybody who, uh, if you, if you gather stuff up, if you want to get it to Dave, just let me know. Uh, you can contact me at Canadian assistive technologies and I will pay the shipping to get the stuff to Dave. So if you want to get hold of me there, you can email me at Steve, that's S-T-E-V-E, at canastech.com, C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. And uh, yeah, be happy to get that stuff to Dave so he can drag it off to his next exotic location. Well, we should definitely make some notations in the actual show notes to remind people and, and let them know about uh, this opportunity to make this type of donation. I, as a user of low vision devices, I don't think I've ever been approached about recycling my my used 
magnifiers, or I should say broken or scratched or, you know, uh, whatever you, however you want to refer to a very used and um, state product. Um, I, I, I've well, been well approached. Looked. Well loved. I like that. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Um, but I, I, I fully admit I'm guilty of having thrown things away and not even, not even thinking of doing something like that. So thank you. And damn, I, I feel like a shitty person now. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. That was a great story. <laughs> awesome. Glad to, glad to add to the misery. <laughs> so let me see what else we got for, uh, for stories here. Uh, I guess the uh, the next one we had on the list was uh, Disney response to Peter Dinklage's Snow White criticism. Yeah, I, I took a quick glance at this and I have to admit, I, I guess, didn't grasp what the issue was. And so I thought it could be an interesting discussion to actually bring me up to speed on what they're actually referring to. Yeah, I think it's also good to just maybe let people know that, yeah, I had no idea, no idea that a live-action Snow White movie was even in production. I, I admit I'm not Little Miss pop culture uh, thing here either, but uh, I was pretty surprised to even hear about this this project. But I guess that's the new thing, right? Live-action everything Disney. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, it, it's it's attracted some big names too. They've got uh, Rachel Zegler as the uh, princess and uh, Gal Gadot as the uh, evil queen. So that's kind of cool. But I guess it stirred up a little bit of a thing because um, uh, uh, Peter Dinklage made made some comment about you know being uh, a little put out by the idea of this project and. Uh, uh, he said that uh, he, he found a bit of a discrepancy at the progressive casting as a Latina actress as Snow White, and then uh, telling a backwards story about seven dwarves living in a cave together. Um, so Disney responded to that and said that, uh, what was their statement? Uh, to avoid reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. Uh, we look forward to sharing more as the film heads into production after a lengthy development period. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of, I guess I'm sort of hung up on this one. I'm not, not really sure how to feel about it. I mean, if they're consulting with the dwarfism community and it's cool with them, then I, I figure great, right? But well, that's what we're always asking for, right? Is to to be involved in the discussions, and here we are being involved in the discussions and still upsetting people. Well, that's you know that's that's like the the blindness community, right? Every everybody thinks blindness community and thinks it's one big homogenous yeah. community, and, and it's not. It's it's right. a whole bunch of it's a whole bunch of people with different opinions. Go figure. So. <laughs> Now, Peter Tink Dinklage is most famous for his portrayal of uh, Tyrion Lannister That's right. um, on Game of Thrones, which is, gosh, I, I think everybody is familiar with that show, especially Never that character. It. Oh, he was fabulous. Oh, he was so good, Ryan. It's such a, such that the, the show sucks you in. Um, I was a little late to get on board with Game of Thrones, but then I was a couple seasons behind and then I jumped in and crap i was they got me hbo got my money yeah. ryan have you it, watched game of thrones not one what no nope. i know oh, you're so lucky <laughs> <laughs> oh you get to experience it right from the beginning oh. 
Oh my god, all this time he saved ten ninety nine a month paying for HBO. (laughs) (laughs) I am also a little on the fence about this story as well, but I think it is an important story for us to talk about because yeah, so Peter is not in this film. So let's just first clear that up. So he is not cast in this film. It's sort of him as um, as someone who is in the dwarfism community and an act and a working actor who is objecting to the, the making of the film, correct? It seems like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then when you see him do roles like Elf, where he played um, Miles Finch, do you remember the author that... You guys saw Elf, right? That was Will Will, Will Ferrell, wasn't it? Yes, the one that's played every single year, uh, gets so much play. And he was the, you know, quote-unquote, angry elf in that that movie. And it was, I mean, it was funny. It was a funny movie, and he, you know, he beats the crap out of Will Ferrell, and, you know, Will Ferrell thinks he's he's one of Santa's elves, and that's where all the miscanity began. You know, so he, there is some poking of fun of that whole concept and sometimes i think in that people think that you you can be a member of a of a marginalized group but still have a sense of humor when things are just done in a in a in a funny way um and so i think it is interesting that he was quoted as saying that you know being portrayed as you know these dwarves living in a cave i mean do we even has the storyline even come out that he we even know that that's what happens in the movie well, the the project's in development, as I understand it, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like this is, like just like Ryan, you were saying, that the whole point is to get a seat at the table and mm-hmm. be part of the conversation and help shape the way these stories are told or how communities are, are, are being portrayed is such a huge part of it. Yeah, and more power to them, you know. Hopefully there will be some changes made and, you know, their their voices will be heard. Mm-hmm. Now, Rachel Zegler, she is, um, she's the star of West Side Story. Um, she's, she's, I guess, a, um, a, a newcomer on the scene, but she is certainly a rising star. She's Colombian-American, beautiful girl. And I believe that she also received backlash for being cast as Snow White, from the opposite end, uh, because I think that there were plenty of people out there who were outraged that they felt that it should have been played by a Caucasian actress. Yeah. Uh, honestly, when it when it comes to what Caucasian should be getting, I, I really don't get too excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think we're doing all right in general. Yeah, <laughs> but I still I, I sort of see this as in, it, it, this is being attacked on all angles, where yeah. there are some people who are saying strict strict traditionalism sh- show the story the way Disney did it originally in 1937 in a in a, in a cartoon, versus how do we take a story from years past a classic and modernize it to make it more reflective for audiences today. Good question. Got any ideas? Uh, I think we need to bring Disney onto the show. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ryan, you're the booker. I think you should, uh, you should get Peter Dinklage on the show. Dinklage, I'm sorry. Dinklage. (laughs) 
I can reach out to him. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best I can do. There you go. Peter, we know you're listening. We know you're a longtime listener of the show. We'd like to have you on. <laughs> this act actually kind of reminds me of a story. It's not exactly, um, it's not apples to apples, but do you guys recall a movie that was made, and this is going back a little while, The I think it was called The Perez Family? No. no. I know. It wasn't, a, I don't think it was a huge blockbuster, but just by the name, the story was about a, Hispanic, you know, Latino family, and it was cast with all non-Hispanic actors, such as um, uh, Angelica Houston was in it, and Marissa Tomei, and some others that I just can't think of off the top of my head. And there was a lot of outrage, what you know, as to why are you using very obviously Caucasian actors to play Hispanic parts, and there are tons and tons of Hispanic um, actors who are more than qualified to do this. And there was such, you know, such outrage over that. And now here we have something where they're trying to be inclusive and more open-minded, and then there's still backlash on the, from the other end. So it's like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. It's, it's got to be tough for, for everybody, I'll, I'll just say. But, you know, you take a classic like Snow White, Snow White, um, or, you know, Peter Pan, you know, whatever the story is that we all grew up with, you know, we have memories of those, those stories and to try and remake them into something more diverse, um, that reaches out to more audiences, I think is great. But at the same time, is it really that big of a deal? Like there's definitely, yes, some stories that should no longer be told. There's definitely things that need to change, but are we just getting a little too sensitive? Well, this is one of those conversations where, as a white guy, I, <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of walk away from because am I getting too sensitive? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. You know, I should probably be more sensitive, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, you're never going to keep everybody happy. Never. No. Um, but, uh, you know, at least we can have conversations around it, whether it gets us anywhere. Who knows? Well, I think the the idea came up two weeks ago in the conversation with um, with Amy and Sean that, you know, representation does matter. I think that yeah. was one of the things that um, was sort of stirred up in our huge mishmash of... Uh, of a pornographic conversation. Um, <laughs> inspiration porn, I'm sorry. For anyone who, who didn't catch it, that's, the, that's really what we talked about. Um, there's plenty of representation in real pornography too, by the way. Um, so, but the point being is that, yes, representation does, does certainly matter. And so I, I can't see how it's a, ever going to be a, a bad thing by having younger people see characters who look like them doesn't have to be every character but at least at least some um i i know that as a as an as an asian american child growing up i 
only saw Asian women in very specific commercials. Like, you remember the legs pantyhose? It would be like this very long-legged Asian woman, like, putting up the stuff. And I was like, you, you know, kind of like that whole Asian fantasy of, like, this long-legged geisha girl kind of thing. And I never really saw any on TV. Um, uh, I, so... I don't know it, but keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the the commercials are still floating out there, but uh, but yeah, that I mean that was the only time that I saw anyone who even remotely looked like me. And believe me, my my legs are a hell of a lot shorter than than hers were. And um, but yeah, so I mean I think it's very very important that we 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 kind of step out of that comfort zone of the paradigm of what stories, I guess characters that that were originally created because ultimately i don't think it really makes any difference to what the morals of the stories were and when we think about it who's really the audience for peter pan and sleeping beauty it's certainly not us Me. at least <laughs> it's not our demo i mean it's this younger group that probably needs to have that that diversity that we lacked right. in our childhoods yeah there amen brothers all right. Uh, next one up was a robot guide called Pepper could help the blind and partially sighted people. Let me tell see. Us, tell us about Pepper. Okay. So Pepper was developed by uh, students and, and staff at uh, uh, the University of Glasgow. And uh, it's a robotic guide uh, to lead people around. Um, and... Uh, one of the one of the things that they pointed out is um, when people are using a white cane, you're tapping around, you're looking for stuff, you find stuff by hitting it with the white cane. And in their parking lot uh, at the university, I guess they'd had people get sort of uppity about uh, get, having their cars <laughs> thwacked with canes or something. So they thought, hmm, well, maybe we can come up with a guide that'll that'll lead people around and and identify objects and stuff, and and you know not actually have to run into things. So they have a, a, a humanoid shaped guide that you can, you can follow around with. And this was uh, done in conjunction with the RNIB, uh, the Royal National Institute for the Blind in uh, Scotland. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so you've got this, uh, Pepper is uh, a humanoid shaped robot, which is probably about, uh, in, the, in the picture that I see, it comes up to about the guy's sternum. Hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, because it's humanoid, you can, you know, put a hand on a shoulder or whatever, and it can, it can lead you around places. So it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting idea. Um, when I look at the, the pictures of it, it's got, uh, it's got wheels on the bottom that don't look like they are really built for off-roading in any sense. So it looks like <laughs> or it stairs. Be, yeah, or stairs. <laughs> so it looks like it would be a pretty, uh, level, uh, sort of, you know, it's got to be on the level by the looks of it. I don't, I don't know how it's going to go up and down stairs and stuff, but, uh, or, or, about, or over a curb for that matter. What about cobblestone streets? That's a good question. I have no idea. No idea. Hmm. Hmm. But, uh, it is yet another attempt at a, uh, robotic guide. Uh, in this case, it's a little bit different because most of the people who've tried robotic guides have, have, uh, uh, been basing it off of guide dogs rather mm -hmm. than rather than guiding, uh, you know, designing off of the idea of it being a person. So, interesting. I'm so sure I have we'll to, hear more. I have to ask you this, Steve, because you, you were able to see the actual photo of Pepper. So somebody in the article referred to 
pepper with the he pronoun. Is there anything he like about this ro uh, robotic guide? Because I, I, I thought it was interesting that they didn't say it, them. She wants to know if it has genitalia. I'm definitely <laughs> curious to find out why this was identified as a he. You know, or is it just a gender bias thing that because this thing helped, he's like, oh, it must be a man. It must be a male, you know. Uh, because it can give directions? Because it, oh, no, no, no. Oh, <laughs> it, oh that's right. It can, it can give directions, but not ask. <laughs> yeah, it probably can't ask for directions. <laughs> or it won't ask. Yeah, exactly. Can't, won't. I guess they're both one and the same. It's always going to be, no, we're going this way. <laughs> I don't care what Google says. <laughs> so what is the, what is the anatomical figure is it just like when you say humanoid so is it like head shoulders okay so um, it, it's it's got a it's got a head uh which is sort of a roundish head with two big round uh eyes in the front of it little mouth looks like some sort of dot on the forehead which is maybe a camera of some kind i don't know uh it's got sort of round shapes towards where the ears would be don't know what those are either uh, this article doesn't get into a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, then it's got uh, a torso uh, with a big screen on the front of it, by the looks of it. Um, two arms. Um, the legs are joined together uh, and go down to some sort of wheel assembly, which uh, looks a little disturbingly like testicles on the ground, uh, now, that I, now that I look at it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, probably my association <laughs> i think you just uh <laughs> i think you just described rob minot um on rollers uh roundish head round eyes little mouth testicles on the ground yeah. testicles on the ground yeah. he would he would appreciate that that's a compliment <laughs> just like rob just like Rob. Just like Rob. Rob, we'll we're gonna start. On. We're gonna start calling you Pepper. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get out of this one quick. Okay, so so okay, this next this next story. I had exactly the same problem that you guys had. I saw the headline. I clicked on the headline, and then it made me want to. It made me register for something. And oh, I see, we didn't register. register. We didn't register. Yeah. The... No, neither did I. So the headline, the headline is audio description devices installed in station toilets. Now, I can think of a lot of different ways that could go. <laughs> I don't know what they're describing. Well, I think it says that it can describe the layout of the room, of the washroom. So it could orientate you and tell you, you know, sink on your right hand side, toilet on your left. Okay. That makes more sense than what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I figured you got in the stall and went, hey, dude, nice junk, you know? <laughs> I think that for the restroom, maybe on the man side, male side, um, if it isn't a gender neutral one, but if there is a gender specific, um, maybe a, when you miss you get a little warning, uh, yeah. a little more left, more left. A little, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was higher, to, higher. That's right. I was saying to Liz earlier, you know, we're always asking for more audio description and here we are, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
certain things we don't need to <laughs> I think I think some of the uh, some of the sighted clientele could benefit from a little go left go left your mid nope 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 okay nope nope don't cross the streams nope 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 um, I think there's just been a lot of I, I just sometimes in, when you're in those public bathrooms you're you're like how how could you have gone so terribly wrong you know it's pretty it's to me it seems a little cut and dry a little you, you know ABC but I, for some reason I just don't know why so maybe that there is a, a, a dual benefit to Another one of those, like uh, we were talking about how the sighted community benefits from things from the low vision community. Yes, I think if it's not your bathroom, nobody cares, right? So you walk in, you take your chances. Now, where was this? The auto, audio described talking talking uh, bathrooms. It's in the UK. Uh, it just says served by Northern. So I assume that's Northern Rail, which I... I don't know. North, the northern part of the UK. <laughs> and it was installed oh. in a bunch of different stations, too. So Yeah, 44 it'd be, stations. So. It'd be interesting to do a little bit oh, more yeah. digging. So now you can go, go into one of those stations, go into the bathroom, and when you get up, it'll tell you if you need more fiber. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I do think that the, um, the auto flush is a, is, a, is a pro and a con. I think it's a pro, you know, some of these new features that they have in all the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. I think it's great because you do have those people who just don't flush. Don't flush. Yeah. yeah and that's just gross, gross, awful. Uh, but then you ever get, I don't know. I, I think maybe women, we get it worse because we don't have, we don't have the urinals, but sometimes it just starts to flush before you're not even anywhere near ready and it ends up splashing your rear. Well, where did they come up with that idea for that amount of suction? It, yeah. I, <laughs> these, Ryan, like I my don't, home toilet doesn't suck like that. <laughs> I think you have to think about the kind of punishment some of these public bathrooms get. That's true too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Woo. Oh, so glad we talked about that. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we uh, we managed to ruin everybody's dinner with that con with that story. <laughs> they don't have to listen to us at dinner. Yeah. So the you know, AT Banter podcast. <laughs> Wash your hands after listening. <laughs> <laughs> or you're gonna get COVID, like Rob Minot. That's right. Yep. So can I go back to your other story, if you don't mind, about the 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 robot guy, Dog Pepper? Sure. I mean, you know, especially because you work in this space, Steve. I think all this stuff is 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 amazing, but. You have people who can't even afford to to buy, you know, fuel efficient cars. I mean, how how is anyone ever going to be able to afford something like Pepper? Who's going to pay? Who could ever pay for something like that? Well, it's a good question um, because, yeah, certainly technology like that is going to be expensive. But when you compare it, if you can if you can scale it up and and bring it to production and and put it out in the world. Can you scale it to the point where it becomes cost competitive with a guide dog? Because that's sort of the space that they seem to be targeting with this, right? So in order for that to happen, you know, you, you've got to have something that is going to, you know, one, hopefully last longer than a guide dog does, because a guide dog is typically only good for, you know, maybe at most eight, ten years for, for service time. And then you got to go you know, get another guide dog, which somebody has spent a lot of time training. 
um, and you have to feed that animal through its entire life and take it outside and water it. You don't have to feed this. You don't have to water it. You don't have to train it. So none of those costs exist. Um, so can it be competitive cost-wise? Maybe eventually, but is it going to be as functional? I, I guess that remains to be seen. I think there's so many unemployed people out there that the government needs to start matching people up. Anybody who wants a guide gets a guide and the government pays their wages. Oh, can you imagine, though, not being able to pick? <laughs> like they, just, they just throw you, this is Frank. Frank has substance issues. Take him home with you. He'll lead you around. Oh, no, there's screening that has to be done. <laughs> Please have screening. <laughs> ha, where do you keep your change? <laughs> Steve's like, I'm going to take that Asian woman in the pantyhose commercial that Liz was talking about. I want her to be my guide. Great. <laughs> well, I just thought, you know, that that is one of the things that is always the the X factor in any well, of these new developments is just how do we how do we bring it to market? You know, well, it's in something a, we've in a talked real way. about. Something we've talked about over and over again is, you know, so many people are trying to replace, you know, the white cane and the dog with, you know, hap haptic canes, laser canes, robot dogs, now humanoid robots. You know, a lot of us will still go back to the tried and true, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was interesting because uh, there was a, a quote in that article about the robot guide that the, I don't remember who said it, but she had, I think, believe it was a she, had said something to the effect of that that there's no respect for the white cane out there. I was like, wow, what's going on in Scotland? Like there's like some serious hostility there where they were talking about um, violent confrontations with people in the parking lot. Like you mentioned, Steve, that yeah. that it was that people were getting upset. I'm like, wow, I'm like, gosh, as as a person who's a cane user, I have never had a confrontation with somebody that was aggressive. Well, I don't know if you remember, Steve, but when the colored canes came out and yeah. we started carrying those, mm -hmm. there was a bit of a conversation there as well because people identify the white cane as someone who's blind or partially sighted. Yeah. And now they're walking around with pink canes, yellow canes, orange canes, black canes, blue canes, green canes. Those don't mean anything to anybody. And there was, a, a, I think, a pretty big conversation about should we stick with the white cane or does it matter? Yeah, and you know, it was funny because when that happened, that was uh, Ambutech, yeah. uh, who who first started offering. Well, I don't know if they were the first to start offering different colors, but they could they could do a cane in pretty much any color you wanted. And uh, you know, we had people contacting us because they wanted a cane that went with you know their outfit. Yeah. You know, oh, I have a purple dress. I want to wear. Uh, you know, I want to have a purple cane. You know, I don't want to have my white cane against my purple dress when I'm going to a fancy fancy. Yeah thing so you know they wanted to just simply color coordinate um and you know honestly the the cane itself it's pretty distinctive like there's nobody walking around with canes <laughs> like that yeah who don't have vision impairments unless they're just you know some weirdo is going to thwack you on the street or something but um so i i don't i don't really see what the color issue was so much because we still run into people who don't know what the white cane is. Yeah. You know? Were these colored canes as reflective? Yeah, they were They were all re reflective. Super reflective? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
reflective wraps. But do you think that if you have like a blue, black, purple, whatever cane, and you're not actively engaged in motion and, you know, doing the sweep, would somebody maybe not recognize that right away? Because I, like you said, it, there are people who don't recognize the white cane, and then there are people who need a second who are like, wait, the white, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. That, you know, white with the, with the red um, striping is very symbolic. So are we then, you know, adding another unnecessary layer for the sake of vanity, but not necessarily for the sake of, you know, important functionality in, the, in making sure that those around us are aware of our specific situation. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the counter argument, right? And um, obviously, some people have chosen to, um, you know, go the other way and say, I don't I don't care that it doesn't necessarily identify me in the same way as a white cane does. Uh, you know, I, I want a color cord. My, my color coordination is more important <laughs> than yeah. some schmuck knowing what that cane is. I think that's kind of interesting that we want to be color that some want to be color coordinated to this to the sighted world. I think it's a. It, it, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just think it's an interesting take on it. You want to be more aesthetically pleasing to sighted people because that's really who you're who you're doing that for. Yeah, yeah, you really are. That's a good point. But uh, Ryan, yes, what colors your cane? I have a white cane and I have a black cane. Oh, you're fancy. My, my, bla my black cane's my dress-up cane. <laughs> Your evening cane? That's my go-to-town go cane. Your yeah. badass cane? That's right. Does yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it have like a little skull and crossbones or flames or anything? No, no just black? No, just black. I'm so boring. Mine are all white. Goes with my leather jacket, my black boots. <laughs> See, you're, color coordinating. Exactly. Your black stilettos, you're good. You're set. Yeah, you're ready. Go there. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It's okay. All right. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. So, I, 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 maybe I'm totally out of it. I had, I've not seen any of these colored canes at all. Yeah. Well, like, like Ryan said, it, it caused quite a stir when we, when we started offering them. And, uh, yeah, people were all up in arms. CNIB, who, who buys a lot of Ambutech canes, they, they flat out said, no, we're not offering colored canes, you weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to getting mine in the mail, Steve. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, fifty inch surprise me on the color, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> Send her a cowbell too. <laughs> so, do we have any other news stories? I don't have any more. So, I think that's it. I think we're done. We're going short and sweet this week. Done. Well, yeah. nothing wrong with short and sweet. Makes right. Rob's editing easier. Yes, you're welcome, Rob. That's right. Our gift to you. We're thinking about you, buddy. Oh, he's going to rant next week when he's back. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, he's going to rant. You, you ask him about how he feels about this trucker convoy. Oh, he'll rant. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially seeing as it's going on while he has COVID. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't talked about the trucker convoy here. I bet List doesn't even know what's going on. I have no clue. Okay, so so a bunch of truckers decided uh, we 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 are we are fragile things and we can't possibly get vaccinated. So 
so instead, we're going to put ourselves into a massive convoy and we are going to drive all the way from the West Coast all the way to Ottawa and we're going to block traffic in Ottawa until they take away these restrictions. And that's what they're doing. They're, they're basically they're, they're basically screwing up Ottawa right now with their trucks. And this is why all of our prices are going up for goods and services? Well, no, not really, because uh, the minister in charge of, of uh, uh, whatever uh, came out today and said, you know, there's there's absolutely no evidence that, that COVID mandates are slowing down any shipments coming across the border. So apparently that's not that's not what's doing it. Oh, OK, I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot of sick people mm -hmm. here with COVID right now. But uh, but, uh, you know, the supply lines are are still getting through. Um, I think the problem is more on the supply side. There's just not enough supply. I don't know who to believe. Everyone is blaming everybody else. There's so much finger pointing as to why there's less on the shelves, blah, blah, blah. Some saying manufacturing, some say labor, some say transportation, some say this. I, I... Well, it's really hard to know. Like, you know, we took our dog to the vet on the weekend and it took them six, six months to get in a product, I don't remember if it was a, a pill or a vaccine or something for for one of their, their animals, you know, so they're seeing long, long um, delays on some items. I had to go without distilled water for my CPAP machine for a good almost six weeks, I think, almost two months, um, which is unheard of. That stuff's always on the shelves and nobody could say why it wasn't on the shelves. So mm. who knows? Mm. That's not hard to distill water. Well, it's not. You wouldn't think. Yeah, um, you'd think you know, it would be something that'd be easy to keep going. Yeah, yeah. But our, our grocery store had none. Safeway had none. Um, yet, you know, my wife's uncle up in the interior of BC, it was on their shelves. Oh. So who knows? Weird. Yeah. So whoever you're getting your supply from, maybe, is just having manufacturing issues or there's something going on. Yeah. I think it's always the most random things that are missing from the shelves, too. Well, yeah, they never run out of Doritos. <laughs> Have you noticed that? There's no shortage on Doritos. Doritos and cockroaches will be the only things left on this planet. <laughs> and Twinkies. And, and Twinkies. Twinkies. That's right. <laughs> oh, I can live off Doritos. <laughs> so, hey, Ryan. Liz. Where can people find us on the web? They can find us online at atbanter.com. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can reach us at cowbell. Not ready. Oh! 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 Left me hanging. Do over. <laughs> Rob, we're all messed up without you. See, we can't even <laughs> outro. <laughs> oh, delayed, delayed cowbell. Delayed cowbell. <laughs> at atbanter.com. <laughs> 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 Sorry, once again, that was cowbell at atbanter.com. There you go. There you there. go. Snappy. Yes, and if they so desire, they can give us a call, leave us a message, comment, or suggestion for the show. They can call us at 1-844-996-4282. They can also send us money at Steve at... <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, they, they can also find us on uh, social media, that Facebook and that Twitter, if you're so inclined. And do you want to give out your Canestec information one more time if anybody wants to donate? 
Yeah, seriously, folks, don't don't be shy about reaching out. If you have stuff for Dr. Dave to take off to his ministries, you just let me know. I am Steve at canasstech.com. C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. So that does it for another week, another episode on the books for AT Banter. Rob, we miss you, and we will all catch you again next week. But not COVID. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. 